Hello and welcome to the Green Book Commentaries. I'm Dr. Arthur Plessa. Episode 26, Electroencephalo Neuromentempograph. Welcome back, fellow chiropractors. In this episode, we are going to read about an amazing invention designed for research in the B.J. Palmer Clinic. The Electroencephalo Neuromentempograph was a machine intended for chiropractic instrumentation. Remember that the Palmer School had invented and developed the first chiropractic instrument, the neurocalometer. It measured bilateral, paraspinal skin temperature. Its analysis was a qualitative one, determining the presence or absence of a subluxation. <clears throat> the electroencephalo neuromentempograph, or tempograph for short, measured, evaluated, and calibrated quantity flow of mental impulse from brain to body. In other words, it measured how much nerve flow was getting through from brain to body before and after adjustment. <clears throat> this machine used electrodes placed along the upper cervical area at any intervertebral foramina along the spine and out to the periphery at any other body part of interest. So what exactly did it detect? Remember the wise words of Nikola Tesla when he said, if you want to understand the universe, think in terms of vibrations and frequencies. Nerve transmission produces vibration at specific frequencies as they travel along the nerve wires. A subluxation decreases nerve flow and alters the frequency of vibration. This is what the tempograph measured, the frequency of vibrations. <clears throat> now, there's a paragraph on page 225 that we're going to develop. BJ talks about being a parent to a child who has grown and left the home. This child lived, in, lived his life different than his upbringing provided. This same child considered his parents old-fashioned. <clears throat> we see here a parallel. We see a parallel here between BJ's chiropractic progeny and his biological one. In his chiropractic progeny, we have a collective body of Palmer graduates who have grown and started their own practices. Over time, they have deviated from what, from what they had learned back at the Fountainhead, considering it old-fashioned in light of ever-changing fashions in the profession. Yet, the Fountainhead readily received these wayward sons back when they would return for Lyceum. <clears throat> in BJ's biological progeny, that of David Palmer, we have someone who was born into the founding family of chiropractic. Being the only child of BJ and Mabel, David stood to inherit the custodianship of chiropractic. Yet, David's interests were elsewhere. Naturally, BJ wanted David to become a chiropractor and continue in his father's shoes. <clears throat> David, with the support of Mabel, graduated instead 
as a business professional. We can only imagine the conversations at the Palmer family table when this decision was reached. Could this be what BJ meant when he said, Have your children grown up? Didn't always do things to please you, did they? And they can't always follow the footsteps of dad and mother. Being a father of three boys, we've come to the unalterable conclusion that every son's innate desire is to give their fathers living hell and completely test them to the limits. However, they are your children, and you are always glad to welcome them back home. You wouldn't be human if you didn't. We begin our reading from volume 25, page 219. <clears throat> Electroencephalo Neuromentimpograph. One valuable instrument in use in the B.J. Palmer Chiropractic Clinic for purpose of ascertaining and proving a correct spinal analysis and its correction is the electroencephalo neuromentempograph. This instrument measures, evaluates, and calibrates quantity flow of mental impulse from brain to body, both before and after adjustment, proving correct place, correct time, correct manner. <clears throat> Graph wave patterns are first test made in this clinic, preceding others. Subsequent graph wave patterns are made bi-weekly. One graph wave pattern is comparative to those taken previously. Comparison proves increase or decrease of mental impulse or nerve force flow, proving adjustment as well as whether case is getting better or worse. <clears throat> Electroencephalo neuromantimpograph number one is still in our labs. It requires 20 sets of a particular dry cell battery. This particular type of battery went to war and we were unable to get more. For approximately one year, 1944, electroencephalo neuromantimpograph number one lay idle. To obviate this difficulty, we constructed instrument number two more simple in construction, which works without batteries. We keep set number one as a spare in reserve, an event of a breakdown of improved set number two. From now on, the tempograph is a permanent and continuous service of this clinic. Electroencephalo neuromentempograph number two is, a, is now in use, May 1945. <clears throat> Instrument now in use is the largest of its kind in the world. Eight pickup channels are at our disposal. Average case will more than likely not need all at one time, but difficult or complex cases needing research to solve may. Ninth channel is a second timing recording channel. As simple as instrument is, interpreting graph wave patterns Each of eight comparative to other seven of any one case is complicated and mysterious to an average person. Comparing one week's graph wave patterns with another week's graph wave patterns is more complicated. The one person who has solved many mysteries of the use of this instrument is B.J. Palmer. To him, it is largely an open book. To make patterns is simple. To interpret them is complex. 
Cases desire information. This instrument cases desire information. This instrument reveals about themselves. To go into detail requires groundwork of understanding of what instrument does, how it does it, what it reveals, etc. To explain to patients would require hours. Therefore, we suggest cases refrain from asking detailed information. We can and will give brief summaries of what it is revealing. <clears throat> Our custodianship of chiropractic. We here have at long last felt there was too much guessing, too little knowing, too much high-pressure gab, too little delivering, too much selling, too little proving. To overcome these and to properly evaluate service, we decided to build, equip, and establish a clinic along scientific lines. For 15 years, we have been at work. We have said little, done much, Publish some. We are now ready to go into detail as a custodian of our work for the profession to tell what we have done, how we have done it, and with what results. <clears throat> Scientific work, when recited, going into detail, is at its best not interesting. On the reverse, it is tiresome, boring, except to him who thrills in doing right things right. Greatest part of what has been going on is not seen with the eye of, of an even observant persons who tour our clinic. You go through, listen to your guide, come out with a full understanding of what it's all about. We assure you, your guide cannot scratch the surface, for the real meat of our work is in the abstract and is hidden deep. It must be unearthed slowly and carefully. Things you, see objective, things you objectively see in a tour of our clinic are important because they lay the foundation for existence of things you do not or cannot see. You see physical assets. You cannot see processes which pass in and between arrival of case and his dismissal. <clears throat> you will come out at the end with an understanding that chiropractic is a safe, sane, sensible profession, safe from enemies who bore from within, and safe from enemies who blast from without. Further understanding that many chiropractors sit on and ride in uncertain seats from whence many mighty will take great falls. But who can prevent if it but who can prevent it if facts weren't? The x-ray upset much. The NCM at another time upset more. Present research will again modify, amend, and change preconceived opinions of what we thought we knew about mental impulse, nerve force, energy flow. You may even look upon our huge clinic building, its large rooms, its unlimited equipment, and it's tremendous space, and raise the question, if I must have all this to be a competent chiropractor, then I am sunk before I begin. Become discouraged because of impossibility of equaling it in your office. You must look upon this clinic as a professional laboratory of research for you and your problem cases, where we seek information. 
There are many electrical shops scattered throughout the land. All do competent and efficient electrical work. None is equipped for research like General Electric, Western Electric, RCA Laboratories, etc. There are many automobile repair shops where cars are overhauled, repaired, rebuilt. Each does competent and efficient work. None is equipped for research work like Ford or Chrysler Laboratories, nor is it necessary they should be. In like manner, your many offices scattered throughout the land. Each is equipped to receive, repair, and rebuild human sick bodies. None is or will be equipped for research work as we are here. Each of your offices does competent and efficient work. We will do research work, pass it on to you. You carry on the fundamental principles which we work out for you here. <clears throat> look at this, look at it in this constructive light. All research we gladly pass to you then all we do will be of inestimable value. Much expensive equipment we have, you will never need. Could not use in a regular, everyday practice, for you do, have, you do not have a sufficient number of unusual cases to use it upon, or a trained research staff to conduct same. If you ask what part of our equipment is advisable for you to have in a modern office, to help with ordinary cases, we suggest a shielded and grounded booth for neurocalometer, neurotempometer, neurocalligraph, as well as precision x-ray equipment. These are important to do efficient, accurate, and competent chiropractic work on cases such as come to your office day after day. Beyond that, rest of our equipment is for individual problem cases, which each of you get occasionally, which we here get almost entirely. This clinic is a gathering place for your problem cases. Thus, we get many of which you get an occasional one. Equipment is a question of chiropractic demand and supply, according to types of cases a chiropractor gets. If you have a practice of regular, everyday type, a certain reasonable and limited equipment suffices to get a percentage of them well. If you have a more difficult type, then more and varied chiropractic equipment becomes necessary to more correctly apply a better chiropractic health service to get that additional percentage well. If you get an occasional problem case, it would be nice to have best equipment possible to take care of this rare case. But does cost justify on one case now and then? Here we get an entire practice of worse cases, referred from everywhere, gathered from entire profession, sent here as a nodal point for solution of rare cases. For them, we are compelled to have not only the best, but all of the best, and where, no, and where no such equipment exists, we make it to render a last word in highly developed solutions of most difficult cases, to render a rare chiropractic service. Every chiropractor is going as far as he deems warrantable to practice to get them well. You may not find an NCM or X-ray necessary. Others may feel they do better work because of them. 
Others may care to go beyond those and add higher development, developed methodical equipment with more scientific attainments. Their practice may justify expenditure. We believe the last word is vital to progress of type of cases we get here. With this opinion, many chiropractors agree because they refer such cases to us. Without any equipment but a bare table and hands, any chiropractor who sticks to the back and uses ancient or modern chiropractic will get more sick people well than any other profession. It depends upon one it depends upon what one wants to do, where one wants to go, and what one wants to accomplish as to what equipment one desires, secures, and uses. Many people are satisfied to travel 20 miles an hour with an old-time type of Ford. Others want Model T and go at 30 miles. Others desire more comfort and speed and latest issue so they can get there at 60 miles. No matter which Ford you buy, each will get you there, sooner or later, some over rough roads and slow, others over smooth roads and fast. Same, of, same is true of chiropractic, 1895, 1900, 1946, 1951. Each year from 1895 to now has made strides in getting sick people well. D.D. Palmer did it with Harvey Lillard. Every chiropractor has been doing it since, with or without each step of our evolution. No matter what year, chiropractic got sick people well. How proud we have been of that record. At no time have we been ashamed of the model, its performance, or people who made those records. At times we seem impatient in desiring to see everyone have 1951 development. But this is as impossible as for everybody to have a 1951 Ford. Every man has a right to practice whatever year of chiropractic he thinks best to accomplish his objectives. We yield preference to will of majority and keep on working, trying to help him do better. We do not anticipate another clinic like ours will be built. We do not expect chiropractors to equip their offices like this, like this clinic. In first place, it is not necessary. Would, would be unnecessary for the once in a while usual case you get, upon which it becomes necessary. Here it is necessary because practically every case is a problem upon which equipment becomes vital to their welfare. It is ordinary cases you keep, you get, keep, and get well. In this respect, you perform a great and glorious service. We want extraordinary case that becomes a problem to you. What is an ordinary or extraordinary case? That is the problem. Sometimes so-called simple cases are extraordinary. Sometimes difficult cases are ordinary. No one can tell in advance any case that comes to you whom you don't get well is a problem case to you. That is the case we want. We want What we want are those murdering, life-taking mysteries you have not solved. With our laboratory equipment, Sherlock Holmes steps in and solves the baffling problem. We find clues where there are none, pick up evidence which has grown cold, which no bloodhound can scent. We dig it up, 
pull on past experience. Recall some other problem solved. Maybe use some or all of it on a new case. Sooner or later, we catch the criminal subluxation. Put him on trial. Make him confess under third-degree lie detector methods. Convict him and lock him up so he will not destroy more life. This is a game we play, that of Health Master Criminal Hunter. We played here when others have failed. Our laboratories do thief-catching work. We do to the thief of life and health what policemen of safety of life and limb do in court cases. We take a hair here, a bit of dirt from under fingernails, so to speak, trail and trace it, and finally point the finger on the subluxation. That is the work of this clinic. When you understand our function, you will send your unsolved mysteries, for there are many. We maintain two kinds of service. In both, we do the things you cannot do. Analyze your cases, locate causes, and then adjust them here until returned home well. Or, once we have analyzed them, return them so you can get them well. In either instance, it is a service to the profession to solve problem cases so the sick can get well. No man can live without giving. No man can keep on giving without getting. Bluntly, greed motive works into all human activities. It need not, however, be dominant. The laborer is worthy of his hire, but to increase one, both must increase. Service must come before pay. Increase service and you increase income. And that is why we here ask you there to send your problem cases, that we may solve them, return them to you, that you may increase our service to them and to us, that we may increase our service to them, to you. With increased service all around comes increased income. Send problem cases here for not less than two weeks. Let us analyze them with scientific equipment in our laboratories. We will return case to you with suggestion he stay with you under observation, not less than three months. During this period, we urge you to not over-adjust. The ideal situation would be to check daily and not adjust unless absolutely necessary, thus proving our analysis correct to case, to you, and with credit to ourselves, into chiropractic. Have you ever been a father or mother? Have your children grown up? Didn't always do things to please you, did they? Right or wrong, good or bad, no matter where they went, what they did, they were your children and you were always glad to welcome them back home. Wouldn't be human if you didn't. They can't always follow the footsteps of dad and mother. Perhaps what they've done was wrong. Someday, they'll realize that father and mother may be old-fashioned in some things, but they'll also realize that there are certain fundamentals that fashion doesn't change through the years. It pleases us to see new faces, to see older ones, to see adopted orphans of other schools. Many may have strayed far, wide, and handsome from teachings we taught at the family side, at the family fireside but we're always glad to have you back in the fold. You're as welcome as are any dads and mothers' kids still at home. It is good to have you here again, 
especially those who have not been home for so long a time. Even if you have forgotten the old homestead was here, it is still your chiropractic home, a home where all our children should feel privileged to come anytime when dad or mother can help. We have never closed our doors to our chiropractic children. We long to have you come see us. Good or bad, right or wrong, you're welcome. Stick your feet under the table and mother will bake a good old-fashioned chiropractic pie especially for you. Fundamentals. In 1895, Dee Palmer laid down a new principle that cause and cure were within. Cause being a vertebral subluxation with sequential conditions. Which vertebra? When? How? Why to adjust? Which vertebra not to adjust? When not? Why not to adjust? These were questions unanswered, which time would solve. 24 vertebrae ahead of us. Only one should be adjusted. Having laid that principle, an efficient practice was to be established. Practicing up and down entire column, and all that word implies began. The entire spinal column was practicing territory. Every day, entire spine, adjusting here and there, one or more, any place, any time, was correct procedure in those days. Many moves were played up and down this all-backbone checkerboard. In those early days, too much was incorrectly done, too many inefficient places, too often when not necessary. Occasionally a case got well in spite of rather than because of what we did. They got well not because we knew which, when, how, and why, but because we occasionally and accidentally stumbled across the right which, when, how, and why, and happened to stop at right time. Many a case voluntarily stopped of their own accord, after first adjustment, went home, never returned, and got well. They did without knowing what we should have done knowing. Today, 56 years later, we adjust one place a gross average of 28.9 days between in each case. The difference between 24 vertebrae and 1 every day and 28.9 days between is knowledge gained by the exclusive process of deduction for facts, recognizing them scientifically, researching until compiled into a series of efficient procedures. Building constants and eliminating variables reveals what we need to know about presence or absence of a vertebral subluxation, when and when not pressures exist, where and where not to find them, and why we should or should not adjust this direction or that, at this place or that. One of the important fact-finding systems consists in step-up of constants and elimination of variables with NCM and X-ray work. Formally, with variables, we did more at more places than we do now because we interpreted variables as constants. Imagine a typewriter, sheet of blank paper, on one side. Man with a desire to write a legible and intelligent article on that paper with typewriter. Imagine man who has ideas and wants to write, doesn't know where the lettered keys are, and cannot mentally see them. That's where the average chiropractor either was or is, until he knows where, when, how, and why. 
The typewriter has letters. They are willing to be struck and to record, record proper word and thought sequences. Man has ideas thought, thought out. Program is established of where he wants to go. He has ability to write paragraphs and chapters of understanding thought, but doesn't know where lettered keys are. Not knowing, he pecks away heterogeneously on many or all of them. Occasionally and accidentally, he might peck out one word or two out of a mess of desired ideas, which might be correctly spelled. Probabilities are, though, not knowing where correct keys are, his pecking would just consist of jumbled letters. Typewriter is right. Keys are right. He knows what he wants to write. Thoughts are right. Words in his mind right. What is wrong? When she comes out a mass of jumbled letters which none can read. He can't connect his good intentions with good deeds well done because he doesn't know which keys to use. Chiropractic was in that position a few years ago. The backbone had 26 letters of the human alphabet. They were there to be adjusted. If proper work was done at proper place, proper spacing, and proper time, books revealing health would be pro books would be produced in human form. But the chiropractor did not have knowledge of which, where, when, how, or why to adjust proper vertebra. Not knowing where to adjust, or when, why, or how, pecking away at 26 vertebrae, more or less as he must, occasionally he might tick off an adjustment, which would be correctly done. Probably, though, not knowing where or when vertebral subluxation was, pecking way would stumble out a jumble of backbone punches, doing little if any good, and possibly doing harm. To research and secure chiro knowledge was to restore understanding to the chiropractor to make it possible for him to see his letters and play them wisely. Elimination of variables makes for establishment of constants, which recreates clear line thinking, which is accurate thinking, which makes for efficiency, which creates accurate adjustment, which is chiropractic knowledge, and knowledge is health efficiency restored. The higher we go in scientific research, the greater becomes the width, length, and depth of gulf between school and field. What can be done to make this gulf smaller? Suppose we work, suppose we keep this work to ourselves. Believe it in, injudicious to reveal what we have developed. Two, suppose the field bemoan the existence of the gulf and, because there is a gulf, refuse to come to get our work. What can be done to make the gulf smaller? 1. Suppose we teach as much as we can of our work developed. 2. Suppose the field in increasing quantities come here and get our work. For the field to say, we get tired going there, listening to one man preach about his scientific clinic research, which we don't understand. What we want is something we do understand, which we can take home and use. It leaves us with two alternatives. Keep the new work to ourselves, not give it. Give the old work again and again, teaching that which they already know. In other words, in this way, they will get that which they do understand, which they can take home and use. In this way, they will not get tired of listening to something which they don't understand. This does not diminish that which we do and keep, keep to ourselves. Neither does it hurt them by increasing their misunderstanding or diminishing their understanding. 
It may be that somewhere betwixt and between, we can give a little of the new and a lot of the old, and thus drag them up a bit each year. The serious objection to that is that while we drag them up that foot, we have gone another mile, and the space continues to become even greater in width, length, and depth. In our clinic research, we are at work 52 weeks a year, any week being sufficient to keep the average chiropractor busy each week of the 52, trying to keep the pace we set. The field man comes here one week out of 52 and expects to epitomize the review of 52 weeks in one week and know all about what it is all about. It appears from general reports we receive from the field that chiropractors at large hold the following general pre-lyceum and lyceum options. Opinions. 1. There is too much B.J. Palmer and clinic research given us. 2. We don't get enough of the things we need we can take home with us and use. 3. This scientific research makes us feel our inferiorities when we return to our offices. 4. Lyceum has ceased to be a meeting of chiropractors, for chiropractors, by chiropractors. 5. Lyceum has become a place where the school tells us too much and we tell it too little. 6. There was a time when we were the Lyceum. Now the school is the Lyceum, and we have been faded out. 7. We would like to reverse all this by A permitting us to present and explain our problems so we can be helped out of them. B. We want to feel we are the Lyceum. C. We do not want so much clinic research because it is of no value to to use when we get back home. And D. We would like to have the school give us old-time philosophy, given by BJ, old-time technique drills, given by BJ, old-time adjusting on cases given by BJ, modern interpretation on old times, explanations, and demonstrations. Out of all this, the field seemingly holds the conviction that scientific research is of no advantage. Therefore, we should avoid discussion which makes them feel their inferiority complex and or avoid discussion which seemingly puts us in a superiority complex position. We should so discuss all complexes as to take their inferiority complexes and make them feel themselves into a superiority complex, and or take our superiority complex into the silence, thereby humble ourselves into an inferiority complex by comparison. They admit their inferiority complex, admit our superiority complex. The problem is how to reverse the known and admitted order convince ourselves it is reversed, make it appear sincere that we believe the order is reversed, and make them believe that we believe they suffer with the superiority complex, we with the inferiority complex, when both of us know it is not so. Admitting their inferiority complex, the field have asked us to solve their problems they suffer with, by scientifically researching those problems and then present the evidence to them, which we have admittedly done with credit to ourselves and satisfaction to them, after completion of which they now desire us to say nothing about 
ask us to remain silent about what they asked us to do by asking us to not speak of their weakness or our strength, because to do so is to embarrass them within themselves by comparison with us. And it is this embarrassment they wish to avoid. Thank you for joining me for another episode. I'm Dr. Arthur Plessa. This has been the Green Book Commentaries.